All right, Shaggy. Well, the Colorado Avalanche head into Seattle for game three. They get down early, once again, giving up the first goal of the game. Then they take a lead, and then they give up. that. Well, they don't give up the lead, but Seattle comes back to tie it. And then the Avalanche, again, just put their foot down on the gas and are, have taken control of this series two to one. What do we expect in game three? We'll talk about, or excuse me, game four. We'll talk about game three and what's going on with Val Nachuskin. All that and then some new episode of Locked on Avalanche coming at you. Your Locked on Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Locked On Avalanche. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli. With me, as always, Mr. Shaggy Von Doom, Kyle Sullivan. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. That's always appreciated. Make sure to follow us on our social media outlets, LOPN underscore Avalanche on Twitter, Locked On Avalanche on Instagram. Questions, comments, concerns, and opinions, Locked On Avalanche at gmail.com. And follow us on our YouTube channel over on YouTube, Hit subscribe, get notified when a new show goes live. So, yes, the Avalanche uh, go into Seattle for game three and win that six to four and have regained control of the series. They now lead the series two to one. Uh, So we will get into that game as well as what we feel is going to be happening in game four, which is, again, still in Seattle. But where we wanted to start briefly uh, we're not going to dwell on this too much. And this is the the situation going on with Val Nachuskin. And the reason why we're not really going to dwell on it too much is because we don't know really what's going on. And we don't want to sit here and just go down that rabbit hole of, of conspiracy theories and what it could be. We know it's something. And, and, and it's, it, it's interesting. Uh, and it's also concerning because he seemed all set to play. He made the trip with them to Seattle. And then... For whatever reason, moments before the game, or even moments before they were going to the arena, uh, he had a security escort, from what we understand, uh, back to the airport and went back to Colorado. If you want to go down that that conspiracy theory rabbit hole, you're more than welcome to do so on social media. They do a good job of that over there, right? Play this but, episode backwards. Yeah. <laughs> But we're, we're not going to be in the uh, the business of just talking about things that we don't know about, especially when it obviously seems to be uh, his personal life. But we will say whatever it is, we hope it is nothing serious. And when he is able to, uh, he can rejoin the avalanche because in the end, this is just a game and, uh, you know, life will always come first. Uh, so, you know, and hockey will always be secondary. We thought that Vegas taking the pedals off of Winnipeg's stationary bikes was going to be the biggest <laughs> off-ice story in the playoffs. <laughs> the Avs take yeah. that title, too. Um, I'm not going to sit here and theorize what's going on. That's um, not my place, not my job. And until we get more information, I'm just wishing the best for Nuke, right. and hopefully the team could rally and get back to business, but you always want the best for Nuke and everyone involved. Yeah. And that's what you're hearing. You're hearing he could be back for game four. You're hearing he, he it could be an indefinite leave. 
but the, the one thing that's been consistent is nobody is saying anything. Jared Bednar really isn't saying anything. Um, I know some people have reached out to his agent who hasn't said anything. Uh, so if those people are not coming forth with some information, then we're not just going to sit here and just CSI this thing and just, you know, come out with these crazy theories. If people come out with it, with some information, then we will talk about it, but we're not going to be, I told you earlier, I'm like, we're not going to be TMZ. So, yeah. uh, but like you said, whatever it is, we just hope it's nothing serious and he can, and when time is right, he can get back to, uh, playing some playoff hockey. So <clears throat> having said that in terms of playoff hockey, the avalanche are, uh, back in control of the series with Seattle and did, I mean, I, I'm, I'm here kind of saying like, yeah, ever since they, they flipped that switch, uh, in game two, they've really been in control. It, even though they gave up <clears throat> that, that first goal again to Seattle in game three, um, it was another moment of just like, okay, like that's, that, that happened. Yeah. Let's settle down and let's just play our game again. And they did for, for pretty much the majority of that game. It was one of those moments that we've talked about at nauseum that you never feel like the abs are out of it, even though they went down and according to the TBS announcers, Grubauer was both teams goalie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it, I think I, I've done that a few times too. So I but get it, it. It was kind of funny. It was funny. I mean, they interrupt my impractical jokers to play a game. They better get it right. Um, yeah right but it's when it, the goal starts out for the avalanche a shorthanded masterpiece from jt comfer it was one of those that you could kind of settle back down in your chair and you're like okay let's mm. see how they figure this out and they did and with kale having that go ahead shot like that's that's what you want that's that's all you ask out of the avalanche and ever since that moment where they theoretically flipped the switch it's been this is the avalanche team that we've anticipated and all of those fans that were jumping off the ship after game one, um, we have enough life preservers. Come on back because yeah. things aren't as bad as you thought. No. And and you had, you know, well, the avalanche what was at 40, was it 49 seconds or 39 seconds? I think it was 49 seconds when they, when they scored their two goals. And Seattle did it in 19 seconds where they get back-to-back goals and they tie this thing up and – you know, the crowd is going crazy as you expected them to being the first playoff game in Seattle's franchise history. Everything was there, not, not to just implode and, and just kind of just lose track of this game. Uh, but you give up that opening goal. And then when you take a two goal lead and then give it away in 19 seconds and then extend your lead for, from three to three to six to three. And then, yeah, you gave up one a little bit later. <clears throat> that's just, that's the, the, what this team can do to you. And and I think that is, um, you know, having so many guys on this team that have been through this before, yeah. you, they, you could just see like they never panic, even giving up two goals in 19 seconds to tie the game. Uh, there's no panic in them. It's like, okay, well, we built a three to one lead by doing this. Let's just keep doing that. We don't need to to completely change our game plan mid game because we gave up two goals in 19 seconds. Not what we wanted to do, but let's just put that behind us and then just methodically keep doing what we've been doing. 
Yeah, it's one of those that if you're watching that game by yourself or in a crowd of 100 people, we all said at that moment when they get those really two close goals that not another one. We have to get back in this. You have to get the next one. You have to stop yeah. this because things were getting out of hand. Everybody said it out loud. And it's one of those that ever since they flipped the switch that the avalanche understood what they have to do in the moment. Like they knew it's not, oh gosh, what's Seattle doing? What all this? They they understood the assignment and they got back to work. And to see the avalanche just have that collective team knowledge of what's ahead of them and what they have to do instead of this scrambling around and trying to make things figure out and make it work. Like that's what you want to see. Like that second goal, that that was a bad beat by New Hook. He was lost. There was a lot of bad things on those two plays. Yeah. And they didn't sit and dwell on, come on, you got to get with it. You got to no, they knew what they had to do. They collectively stepped up and took control of that game. And it was a no doubter the rest of the way. Really was. And and I mean is Seattle just not doing what they did in that first game anymore. They are completely out of, of what their initial game plan was, which worked in game one. And and it's so – I keep going back to um, that they, – they were saying it during the broadcast, and I mentioned it in an episode last week of, of when they said um, – you know, Dave Haxel just says, we play one one way. And I don't think they can win you – a Stanley cop, yeah. let alone maybe a series like you need. And I'm not saying he's sitting there and doesn't make adjustments at all. But if you're just saying like, this is our style of play, take it or leave it. Um, when you get to the playoffs, teams figure that out. This is not like the regular season where you play one team. And then the next day you're playing a different team. If you're yeah. playing the same team day in and day out for a series, that team will figure this stuff out. And when you're going up against a team like the Avalanche, who Jared Bednar just seems to be a master of, of doing stuff like this and, and, and making adjustments, they're going to figure it out. And they just have not been this the same team since the Avalanche about halfway through game two. This has been all abs, save for 19 seconds. Yep. So you feel pretty good about where this series is headed if you're an Avalanche fan. Yeah, and it goes to organizational maturity. Like, I know you could say, well, they have Burakovsky's been there. They have all these players for Seattle who have been to the playoffs and understand. But it's an organizational maturity level of being in the playoffs, making that adjustment. Like, you could believe in your one way um, to get you through the playoffs, but you have to also know how to adjust that way Mm. when you are being met with some kind of conflict. The Avalanche know how to do that. Like, if every... just having members of your team with playoff and cup experience is enough. Every team with Corey Perry would win the cup, but they don't. (laughs) So it's the avalanche as a collective understand what they have to do. Seattle's still figuring it out. Will they do that in game four? Who knows? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what to expect in game four, but uh, more to talk about in this game, including uh, the abs, big guns stepping up in this game. Uh, we will get to that in a second, but first we're going to discuss game time, the game time app, gametime.co buying tickets to your favorite event. Shouldn't be stressful. And game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will no doubt 
have and what are some of the things that we like about the game time app well they have flash deals and last minute tickets easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area kyle and i's uh, favorite go-to feature the image of your seat view stellar feature right there okay. uh, and the lowest price guarantee with event cancellation protection so forget planning months in advance game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event like I said, you can get those exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. So download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Once again, create an account and redeem the promo code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, um, so we'll head into uh, some stats for this one. And uh, the thing that jumps out at you in terms of who scored for the abs, right? Um, you had six goals scored, and you had two by McKinnon, two by Rantanen, one by Kale McCarr. So five out of your six goals were scored by your big guns, and a playoff, and, Jimothy, Timothy Comfer. Right. <laughs> and your other one is is by by Comfer, who's been that steady hand pretty much most of the season. So your your A1 superstars and then, I don't know, where you slide JT Comfer, at least for this season, kind of in that B list, yeah. right? <clears throat> so those are the guys that you rely on for, you know, most of, of, of the season and in games like this where you want your big guys to step up. So um, just to finish up, Evan Rodriguez with an assist, Newhook with an assist, uh, Lekkonen with two assists, Byron with an assist, uh, and Devon Taves with two. And there's another one you can throw in. Even though he's not on the top pairing with Kale McCarr for the last couple of games, uh, Taves is, is – he had a rough go of it early on. And he's been one of those guys where it's like once his team turned the, the, the switch – He's been one guy in particular who has too. Um, so just thoughts on, on all that stuff. Yeah, and absolutely. And like, I know this is something that all the everydayers that listen each and every day understand. Another guy to throw in that uh, who's improved since the, sw- the switch has been flipped. Yep. Samuel Gerard. You know what, man? There's still, are we talking about this rabbit hole with Valentuskin? Yeah. There are still people who will just not want to, you know, credit Sammy G for anything. Yeah. Fine. Be those people. Yeah. He's playing a very good series. Yeah. You know, he's, he's never been known for racking up the points. He is kind of a pretty good with, with assists, but he is moving the puck. Um, He's never going to knock guys out, but he is moving guys off the puck. He's doing very good in, in uh, defensive trend. He's just a good skater. He's a good skater, a good puck mover, and he is he's showing that in this series. He really is. And when you see Taze and Gerard escalate their game, it magnifies the the head scratching moments that you're getting out of Josh Manson right now. I'm baffled yeah. with his play, like that that little calf slash that he did early in yeah. that game. I I baffled why he keeps doing this, and it needs to stop now. Um, but to see Taze really get into playoff form and Sammy G what we could have had through the playoffs last year. I think we're getting a glimpse of it right now. Yeah. He's playing great. Um, 
I think a couple other guys that, that are really having an, an excellent series, uh, Lars Eller. Yes. I think is playing very well. Again, just a, a steady hand. And I think that's what the Avalanche wanted when they went and got him. Yes. They didn't need this guy to put them over the top. They just felt like we, we get healthy. Those guys that are out can help put. Yeah. And, and real quick, like Eller and him stepping up in the moment has been phenomenal. And we, I know you mentioned it with the two points that There's he had. Uh, Lekkinen in his two points, that's really big going into game four, especially with a question mark around Nachushkin. Um, mm. That's production from both Eller and Lekkinen that you want to rely on going into four because you don't know what you're going to get out of Val Nachushkin. Right. Um, and the other guy, other than Eller, <clears throat> Evan Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> Iran is playing some good, good hockey. And, and I am really impressed with his um his 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 puck handling skills like when when you're when you're in making you know that that transition and you're kind of going into your offensive zone and there's two sometimes three defenders there we've seen it so many times with with nathan mckinnon he just tries to bowl you over and he will kind of turn the puck over once in a while a lot of guys do that it's it's tough to break through that wall of two or three guys right um but when i'll say this when, when when evan rodriguez is doing that I'm as much on the edge of my seat with what moves he could make yeah. as I am with Nathan McKinnon. He's he does some nifty puck work uh, in tight spaces, whether it is that like one on two or one on three, or just in cycling the puck up against the boards in the corners. I'm pretty comfortable when he's in those positions that he can win those battles and come away with the puck and feed a teammate for for a chance. He's, he's having a really, really good series. And if this continues, it's going to make it really hard in the offseason what we do with Evan Rodriguez and the money going his way. Because Wow. Yeah, he's he's really making a case for it because I love his puck handling skills and his almost desperation, like the fight or flight um, mm-hmm. reaction that he has in those moments and his ability to pull it off. I actually got a good email from our good friend Lothar <clears throat> who, who asked me, and this is again, this is conversation for the offseason, but he was like, you know, taking into consideration the salary cap, who are you keeping between Comfort and uh, Newhook? And I wrote him a long email back, but you, you could you could honestly throw in Evan Rodriguez into that mix too. Because yep. what are you gonna do? Like I, I think I don't think Newhook's going anywhere. He's gonna not cost him that much, but Comfort and Erod, you I don't think you're gonna be able to keep both those guys. They're they're playing themselves into some pretty good contracts. That's an so additional it's, it's an additional storyline to watch during these playoffs. If the game continue going this way, so. keep that in the back of your mind. What yeah. where do we go from here? Yeah, very, very interesting. So um all right, let's uh let's take a quick break here and then we will um get into more of this game, more of what we think game four is going to be like, and our sound check as well. All right, let's dive into that stuff. Um, I want to talk about Georgiev actually pretty quick too, because in the playoffs, things just get magnified. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, And I don't think he's playing any worse or really any better. I think he's been playing the way he's been playing all season. But when you get into the playoffs and you let up some goals, things get magnified and people want to say like, oh, should, you know, is he not playing how he, sh- not many people, I'm not hearing like, oh, maybe there should be a change 
this should, this should be made. I'm not hearing, I, you hear a little bit of it, but not so loud where it's like, what the heck is wrong with Alexander Georgiev? I think he's playing fine. Like, I, I think he, are there some saves that I, that I wish he could have made? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. But he's also rising to the occasion when we need him to. Sure. And, and you're giving up the first goal of the game every game so far, but he's not letting things get out of hand. And he's keeping Seattle at bay when he needs to. He's come up with some really key saves at key moments. I'm fine with how he's playing. This is pretty much how he's been playing all season. Yeah, you could chalk up a lot of his playoff goals that he let in, about 70 or 80% of them, to bad play in front of him. Yeah. And it's one of those you really can't fault him because you're really getting mad at the deep pair in front of him. But I, I've been completely fine with him, even being the biggest Frankie guy in the world. Like, right. yes, I'm still a big Frankie stan. I'm completely confident with your give right in the whole way. Yeah. So I think, you know, I don't think there's any change made there. And you just say, okay, keep playing the good way. The the the, the things that you've given up, let's just tighten those up a little bit. Yep. And then, you know, Seattle is going to be have that much more of a hill to climb. So, but I think overall he's fine. <clears throat> you like to see, we mentioned it, we were talking about the stats with Nathan McKinnon just really taking over. Um, Kale McCarr, who does, I mean, I don't want to say he doesn't look 100%, but he looks like 80, 85%. Yeah. Uh, it's not like he's dogging it and, and you just seem like, man, maybe he should like take a seat and just take a extra day's rest. No, I think he's healthy enough to play, but he for a while he wasn't just doing those those Kale McCarr things. Um, but I, so I think I, nobody's one hundred percent. Nathan McKinnon's not one hundred percent, but he look yeah. what he's doing. So as far as like Kale McCarr goes, yeah, if he's not one hundred percent, but he's going to play the way he did. Like he he really turned it up again, and we haven't. He's been there. He's he's doing his thing, but that rocket of a, a slap shot off the face off. If he was 80%, that alone brought him up to 90%. You feel yep. so much better when you do something like that. And you feel so much better because you got production out of Kale McCarr being at 80%. And you also get it from Miko Rantanen, who's been kind of invisible to the point that uh, Jonesy was talking about it, I believe in game two, whereas I really like Miko to show up or it was uh Ferraro, I can't remember who was commenting on the time that yeah, if they had did. Miko engaged, this would be a different game. He has been kind of absent, especially after this regular season he had. You'd expect him to continue that. So you had Miko getting the two and Kale getting the one, and then you had Nathan McKinnon getting the two. Like, who can beat you when you have production from well, those guys yeah, on that level? It's that, because that's what you want all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, what's your depth doing? Because Seattle has the depth, right? Yeah. So you got to match that. They can't match what you have on your top lines. They can't. Yeah. Uh, you need to match what they can offer on their depth lines. You've done it for a little bit, but that needs to be consistent because yeah. that's where Seattle can beat you, right? So, um, <clears throat> and that's into that. good. And that goes back to our point that we were saying before the playoffs on making that that last decision on who makes it in. This goes to our point. We were screaming Mulligan, Mulligan, Mulligan this whole time. We haven't seen him yet. Yeah. And Chris brought it up uh, many a times when I brought that up, that you don't know what he's going to do in the playoffs. Are the playoffs going to swallow him? To this point, 
Yes. Kind of has. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of has. Like, we all loved what he did in the regular season, but he hasn't really – That that's the perfect example of a guy that we need mm-hmm. to to match what Seattle can do. So, um, just, just a funny quick note. Like, because you were talking about uh, your, your impractical jokers because <laughs> – the game started because the Tampa Toronto game was going into overtime. So they started this game on true TV. Um, and it, I watched it on that and, and they matched it up with a commercial break mm-hmm. to go back to the impractical jokers and then kick the game back over to uh, TNT. Right. Yep. So I forgot that I was watching it on, on true TV during the commercial break. And then when they came back and it was impractical jokers, I'm like, Oh yeah, I change it. And JT Confer is celebrating his goal. So I actually missed JT Confer's goal because Toronto and Tampa couldn't end on time. When they announced that it was going to True TV, I yeah. started watching uh, Impractical Jokers up into the commercial yeah. break where they led into the game. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of wrapped up in it i was like oh this is going to be funny coming back from the break and then it was welcome to seattle i was like oh yeah i'm here for hockey (laughs) yeah and then it was just forgot i was watching it so um that's what you get in playoff hockey though you you never know as far as game four goes then we'll get to our sound check uh what are we thinking obviously seattle wants to try to get back to what was working for them in game one avalanche want to keep the pressure on and all that stuff that i mentioned in the beginning about how you know they gave up the first goal, then they gave up the two goal lead in 19 seconds, and then they extended the lead. You do all that, and you 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 don't have Valnachuskin there. So again, this team is just finding ways to win. It doesn't matter who's there. They feel like they can beat anybody with anybody that's there or not there for this team. So what 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 do you think is going to happen in game four? Because this is this is do or die for Seattle. They do not want to go back to, to Colorado down three to one. That's exactly what I was about to say. This is about to be the best version of Seattle you're going to see. They are a trapped rattlesnake in the corner. Like they're not going to roll over. They're going to be as dangerous as they possibly can. You can't believe in what you're doing right now. You have to prove it one more time and bring it back to ball and really put them out. Yeah. But you're you cannot rest on your laurels right now. You have to keep pushing and keep building. And with the possible absence of Val Nichushkin, it's only going to get worse. You need, like Chris mentioned, you have to get some more out of the depth scoring. JT Confer on a shorthanded um, opportunity is not enough. So somebody else mm-hmm. has to step up. Yeah. And it's odd because with, with, without Nichushkin, he is your best four checkers. I thought that was the best four checking game the Avalanche had. Yep. They, they, those puck battles that that were, were horrible in, in game one and for half of game two, like the abs were winning almost all of them that I saw yeah. up against the boards. So um, they got to keep that up. I would really like to see this power play <clears throat> get some goals. Yeah. They're, they're getting looks and, and they're, they're, they're setting up. It's not like they're getting stood up in the neutral zone and they, they can't, they're, they're getting zone entries. They're, they're, getting looks that they want to get. They just can't seem to, to crack through on a power play. So I'd like to see that start to improve a little bit in terms of getting a goal in the net, a couple of them for this game. It's funny you mentioned the power play improving being your thing that you're looking for because I'm thinking the opposite. I, I'm sick and tired of looking at stat lines where we're giving up four, five, six power plays that we have to kill. Like It's great that we're winning games like this, but we cannot 
be taking no. ridiculous, goofy penalties and making it harder on ourselves. Like, I love the fact that we're killing them off and we're doing our job, but let's not make it harder, especially in games like game four, when you're going to really need every opportunity you can capitalize on that power play, but do not be slashing calves. Yeah. Josh Manson. Yeah. Don't just be taking liberties with like, Oh, I can play a little bit more aggressive because we're just killing the, pe- the, the penalties off. You don't want to play that way. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you do, you need to be a little bit smarter. Yeah. You're what was Seattle one for six, one for six. You don't see that a lot from the avalanche giving, you know, committing six penalties. They're, you know, they commit the normal amount of penalties. They're good for two or three, maybe four in a game. Uh, but you don't see that. So you want to smarten up. Nathan McKinnon, hilarious in the uh, post game with TNT. They asked because he, he took a late penalty, which is why Seattle got that one uh, power play goal to get them four goals on the game. And they asked him after the game was over during the interview, like, what were you mad at? And he was just like, I think just everything. Like, <laughs> He didn't really like he didn't give a specific answer. I think he was just angry, which is, hey, you're up. You're going to win the game. Um, and he is still angry about something. And they yep. showed a replay and there was somebody on the Kraken who was maybe, you know, taking some runs that really didn't need to because the game was pretty much in hand. And McKinnon is that type of guy who's like, yeah, just because we have the game won doesn't mean I'm going to let you do that. Yeah. And that's his style of play. So but at the same time, it's like, all right. You can do that stuff if all the other stuff wasn't happening. If you're not committing these dumb penalties all throughout this series and you go and do that, got no problem with it. And because it was at the end of the game, I really don't have a problem with it. Like, he's not going to do that in the middle of the game. But you would hope not. But you, you would. You but would. six opportunities is way too much in the playoffs. For it him. is. You're 100% right. All right, let's wrap things up with our sound check. Kyle and I pick one song each that we feel best summarizes the most recent game. These songs go up on a playlist over on Spotify. Just search LOA Soundcheck volume number two. Go ahead, search uh, for volume number one if you want to follow that one as well. But what do you got for this one, sir? Uh, I've been talking about not resting on your laurels, but look at me. I'm resting on my laurels. I'm going with with a song from one of my favorite groups. All time, Wu Tang Clan. Y'all been warned. Mm. <clears throat> like it's a good one. It, it's a great song, great yeah. vibe, fantastic listen when you pull up the playlist. But Seattle, you had your chance. Well, and, yeah, and not only it, Seattle, just the 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 NHL world at large, because yeah. you. You know, a lot of people were saying, like, wow, the way that Seattle played in game one is are the Avalanche in trouble. And this could be a, and it still could be a long series. It's only two to one, right? But again, like how the Avalanche were going into this 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 series from the regular season, you felt good about it. They just played a bad game. And when it's when the bad game is game one for the for those 48 hours till game two, uh, people are going to be dissecting it. And these last couple games. I think you're right, man. I think people have reminded the uh, the hockey world, like, yeah, like, we're They're warning legit. you again. We're warning you once yeah. again. Which is why I went with uh, Aerosmith's back in the saddle. Because that mm. they're they're back in charge, yep. you know. Uh, Seattle had flipped home ice. Avalanche have flipped it back. They're in a great position. They're 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 in the driver's seat right now. Great roof. saddle. They're, yeah, man. Mm. can't beat it so uh go follow those two in that playlist over on spotify and 
uh yeah we we wanted now we're back in the saddle now we want to take a stranglehold Ooh, that could be Ooh. the next one i literally just came up with it that Ooh. was not planned dude that was not but it the, my sound check is already set if that's, the avalanche win this one that's funny when you're hyping up your uh your pick i was almost like is he going with nickelback how you remind me? <laughs> <laughs> we got to get a nickelback in it well you did a nickelback and it's uh, probably not going to be the last. I secretly, I have no hate for Nickelback or Creed. So, but, well, Creed's got some good riffs, but uh, you, you did a sea shanty Nickelback. That's cover right song, for the Kraken last time. So good. That yeah. is, I've never heard that in my life. That is fantastic. That's on volume one. If you want to go check yep. that out, but uh, but that's going to wrap it up for today, everybody. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to discuss. Game four, hopefully it can be a three-to-one lead heading back to Colorado. And if there's anything that we get that's solid info on Valentuskin, we will then talk about it. But if there's not, you're not going to hear nonsense from us. Uh, Let the man live. All right, so uh, it's going to wrap it up. Thank you for tuning in, making this your first listen of the day. Always appreciated. He is Mr. Shaggy Von Doom, Kyle Sullivan. I'm Chris Maselli. This is the Locked On Avalanche Podcast. Enjoy the game. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Go, Abs, go!